0: Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The
1: Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. His name is Aaron McIntyre. And then you have your own name, which you can let us know by emailing the show. Steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can look for me as well on platforms that don't attempt to censor me. Called me, parlor, gab, and getter. Just look for Steve Dace there. And you can look at clips of the show that are not censored and that are also free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you are struggling right now with looking at things because you need glasses or a new pair, and if you like mine, or you want to get something even nicer right now, you can get authentic German-engineered rodent stock eyewear available for the very first time here in the United States. It's an over 140-year-old company. It's considered maybe the world's gold standard when it comes to eyewear with over 500 patents. And now it's available here in the U.S. with our friends over at Better Spectacles. You can get right now 61% off they're go spec lenses, even for difficult prescriptions like mine. So if you've got a little far and a little near, like I do, um, whether or you've just got a, a plain old prescription, they can help you either way and get you some world class frames for free with 61% off your prescription and Rodenstock eyewear for free with the frames when you visit BetterSpectacles.com/Steve. Again, that's BetterSpectacles.com/Steve. Coming up on the show here today, next hour, former White House Chief of Staff, former United States Congressman and head of the House Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows, will be joining us on the program tomorrow. I'm sorry. Next hour, you can tell. I'm looking forward to a little Thanksgiving vacation. Let's get through today first, Steve. Inside voice. All right. Uh, That's coming up next hour on the show. And Then the three of us will break down what we heard from Mark Meadows. He's got a new book out, The Chief's Chief. We'll talk about that. But then, of course, we're going to look at the future because Mark has been pretty adamant about uh, Trump leaving the door wide open to run again in 2024. So, of course, we'll discuss the Trump presidency and maybe a once and future one as well with Mark Meadows coming up in the next hour of the program. At the bottom of this hour, I want to pose a question to Todd and Aaron that I have been pondering over the weekend. And I took it to a couple of friends of mine this morning to get their take on it before I brought it up to see, hey, is, is this, does this question have merit? And then another friend of mine who actually worked in the Trump White House, not knowing that I was already contemplating discussing this and had already texted a couple of other friends of mine about this very question. He sent me a text today saying, have you have you thought about this? Have you looked into this? I'm like, brother, great minds think alike. Because I was actually getting ready to bring it up on the show here today. So I'm going to hit you guys with this cold at the bottom of the hour. Okay, It is a question that I think we need to discuss that I dare not post on Facebook or Twitter yet. So now you know it is a question that we need to discuss. Right? Because there's two rules of thumb when it comes to COVID stand. Number one, there can be no control groups. There can be no control groups because control groups get us to observational truth, they get us to objective information, and they blow up your narratives and your agendas. So there can be no control groups, there can be no unvaccinated. Uh, that, that that tests the true efficacy of our vaccines and boosters and their safety. There can be no Sweden a year ago that tests the true merits of lockdowns. There can be no control groups. That's the first one. Number two is, whatever you're not permitted to say about COVID right now will be proven true in three to nine months, minimum, or maximum. Within three to nine months, whatever you're not allowed to say right now will be proven to be true. Those two things, man, are right as rain. They're as constant as the North Star, as Billy Shakespeare once wrote. You can count on those two things like you can count on the sun rising in the east and setting in the west, like you can count on gravity, okay? So there can be no control groups, and whatever you can't say right now will be proven true shortly thereafter. Right now, I don't think I can post this on Facebook or Twitter, so why not say it in front of a much larger audience on the entire platform here on Blaze TV instead? Fair? kind of like those odds, right? So we will do that coming up here at the bottom of this hour. But before we get to all of that, of course, we begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away.
2: What Happened While We Were Away brought to you by Evil Visits Waukesha. Yesterday afternoon during a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, an SUV plowed through a police barricade and intentionally ran over spectators and a marching band in and around the parade five people died and over 40 were injured the suspect was later identified as darrell brooks a felon and sex offender who was just released from jail on bond on friday facing a bevy of separate charges including domestic abuse battery bail jumping and possession of a firearm while a convicted felon it's unclear what his motive was other than abject evil Moving on, the Wall Street Journal and some other mainstream outlets are finally catching up to where we were a couple of months ago. But check out how they're framing this. U.S. COVID-19 deaths this year surpassed the known total from 2020 with the Delta variant and low vaccination rates important factors in the higher count. Infectious disease experts say Anthony Fauci says regular booster shots, maybe even six months apart, should become the norm.
3: We would hope, and, and, and this is something that we're looking at very carefully, that that third shot with the mRNA not only boosts you way up, but increases the durability so that you will not necessarily need it every six months or a year. We're hoping it pushes it out more. If it doesn't, and the data show we do need it more often then we'll do it.
2: In completely unrelated news, a new paper at the Journal of the American Heart Association says mRNA vaccines, quote, dramatically increase endothelial inflammatory markers and acute coronary syndrome risk. In further unrelated news, a couple of weeks ago, video of a soccer player, Sergio Aguero of Barcelona, went viral. The video showed him keeling over, clutching his chest during the middle of a soccer match. The player has subsequently undergone heart surgery, and this weekend he announced he's retiring from the game because of the issues with his heart. Prior to playing for Barcelona, Aguero played for Manchester City, where he became the fourth leading goal scorer in Premier League history. Aguero has been open in his support of the COVID 19 vaccine. Just weeks before his retirement, due to these aforementioned heart issues, he took to social media to promote the vaccine for 12 year olds. Countries across Europe Had perhaps their biggest weekend yet of protests in Rotterdam, Netherlands, a riot broke out when protesters against the government's ongoing covid restrictions turned violent, burning cars, toppling police cameras and generally causing a lot of damage. Police later took to rounding protesters up and loading them into unmarked vans. The country of Austria, right after locking down the unvaccinated, is now in a full on lockdown. The government there is looking to make vaccines mandatory for all citizens by February. Portugal joined in to the protests this weekend. In Paris, protesters tried to break through a police line. In Belgium, police used water cannons on protesters. In Australia, perhaps the largest protest to date took place in Melbourne as Aussies flooded the streets, making their voices heard. A new study from the Harvard Medical School over nine months amongst urban healthcare workers shows those studied who had a previous infection and recovered from COVID had zero reinfections before and during the Delta variant wave, while 73 breakthrough infections occurred in those who were fully or partially vaccinated without prior infection. Alex Berenson has found data from the UK showing vaccinated adults under the age of 60 are dying at around twice the rate of their unvaccinated peers of the same age. Berenson's data comes from the UK government's Office for National Statistics. And finally, Donald Trump has some thoughts on the vaccines.
3: Most vaccines take 12 years. They said this would take anywhere from three to five, but most likely more than five. And I got it done in less than nine months. And we saved tens of millions of lives all over the world, all over the world. So in 1917, as you know, we had the Spanish flu, it was called. And it possibly killed as many as 100 million people. You know, I don't know if you read the history of the Spanish flu, but you probably, I think you read about everything, <laughs> come to think of it. But, but it probably was a thing that was most responsible for ending World War I, because all the soldiers were sick, and many were dying. The Spanish flu was devastating. And they say up to 100 million people died. And it probably did end World War I. But 100 million people. I think this would have been similar without the vaccine. Had we not gotten, and then then I got Regeneron. We got uh, Remdesivir. We got many other things, therapeutic things that really, in my opinion, worked. I think Regeneron's great. Eli Lilly came out with something that's similar. We did a great job.
2: I lied, one more thing. It's about a half an hour before the show, but I had to put this in there because it just came to my attention. A euthanasia clinic in Hamburg, Germany, is requiring all people seeking to kill themselves to be fully vaccinated. I'm not making this up at some place called Verensturbelheif in Hamburg. You have to be vaccinated in order to kill yourself. Happy Monday. And that's what happened Well, we were away. Siri, show me an example of a cult.
1: And Sari just rewinds to that final kicker story and Aaron's montage to show it to us. Wow. Uh, Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Bonner Private Wine. You used to know them as Patriot Wine, but now they kind of want to go by their company name. And just in time for you to get some outstanding foreign wine imported to you with all of the various holiday gatherings that will be going on starting this weekend with Thanksgiving. All right, we're talking world-class vineyards here, some of the highest in the world, up to 9,000 feet down in the Andes Mountains in Argentina. Great red wines uh, that have just a little note of blackberry, leather, smoke, and dark cherry. All three of us have sampled a bottle or two of these wines and liked them very much and would highly recommend them. And if you want a shot uh, to enjoy a holiday meal this holiday season with your private wine from Bonner Private Wine. Go to Bonner Private Wine, just like it sounds, Bonner. BonnerPrivateWine.com slash Steve. That's BonnerPrivateWine.com slash Steve. All right, the former president's comments on the vaccines, we are actually going to discuss that a little bit more in detail in the overtime today because I posted that clip on my Twitter account and then just solicited your thoughts and We're going to scroll through those uh, thoughts, of which there are many. We'll scroll through as many as we can. I'll put like a five-minute limit on it. And then we will react and respond on our panel here on our overtime, which will include our very own colleague, Sarah Gonzalez, uh, from the News and Why It Matters. So if you don't want to miss that today, blazetv.com slash dace, that's where you can go to get a discounted subscription today. It's also where you can go to watch it later today. We will record it right after today's show and then upload it for you to watch on demand later today at blazetv.com slash dace. I will say this though and then we'll move on to everything else in Aaron's montage uh, about the president's comments. Remdesivir is a garbage drug. It is a garbage drug that has negative efficacy and that's when it's not causing renal failure. Remdesivir is a garbage drug. Regeneron, or the monoclonal antibodies, that's what the president was given to save his life last fall, uh, actually works very well. That's why they're rationing that one. And they're handing out remdemsevir like lollipops at the bank. Okay? Because Regeneron works, so they want to ration that. Remdemsevir doesn't, because they're actually trying to kill people. I don't know what other explanation I could possibly come up with Other than all of these institutions and entities all lost their damn mind collectively at the exact same time. You can choose that option if it makes you feel better. Because I don't think it makes you feel any better than the one I've chosen, which is Occam's razor. They're actively trying to kill people. Why? Go back to what I said just a few minutes ago. There are two things that are constants throughout the history of COVID stand here. Going on 21 months now. You guys remember what number one was? It was just like five minutes ago, guys. There can be no what? Control group. Thank you. There can be no control group, All right? Regeneron will provide you a control group, a chance for you to get a therapeutic healing without being injected with their experimental vaccines. Remdesivir won't. So Regeneron must be rationed. Remdem-severe promoted. Now to the rest of what is in Aaron's montage today. I want to start with the Wall Street Journal quickly and then we will uh, i mean the 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 harvard study on natural immunity is every study that's ever been done on natural immunity except one that the cdc tried to conjure up about three weeks ago that claimed natural immunity sucked it got absolutely and undeniably and utterly destroyed even within the scientific community and that's why you haven't heard about it since it was as bad of an attempt at propaganda as that school map that they trotted out back in January that said at the time, the only place it was safe to go to school in person and have extracurricular activities was International Falls, Minnesota. You remember that one? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. That, that study was that bad. That's why they don't trot it out anymore. That's why it hasn't been on CNN since the first five minutes after they tried it. Other than that attempt at pure propaganda, every other study that has come out has shown natural immunity, including through Delta at the very least has every bit the efficacy as whatever they're hyping up about these vaccines. And in most of these studies, they far surpass. So that's just the latest example of which there are many. I want to spend the bulk of our time talking about what happened in Waukesha, but I cannot let go what the Wall Street Journal attempted to do in that headline. We have already passed The total number for COVID deaths in 2021 when they had vaccines that aren't vaccines, they are therapeutics, and that's when they actually work. These things are such a terrible product, they had to literally change the definition of vaccine to call them that. For reals. They changed the definition of vaccine back in September, CDC did, to continue justify calling these vaccines. Because you and I used to think vaccine meant this will stop me from getting something. Nope, not anymore. A vaccine now means if it won't stop you from getting it, it just won't make it as bad as you if you do. Well, that that sounds like um, Mucinex. That 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 sounds like Dayquil or Nyquil. That sounds like Tylenol Tylenol Cold and Flu, right? Doesn't stop me from getting it doesn't stop me from getting the flu. It just helps me mitigate the symptoms should I get it, correct? Correct. doesn't stop me from getting it, nor does it stop me from giving it to somebody else. No. just helps me on a human, personal level to navigate the symptoms. It sounds a lot like Sudafed, right? Yep. Kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, except they can't justify mandating that. So they had to change in an Orwellian fashion, the definition of vaccine back in September, to now just mean anything. So I, is vitamin D a vaccine now? I mean, because... That's the number one indicator of COVID spread is vitamin D deficiency as it vis-a-vis in accordance with seasonality. So is vitamin D now a vaccine?
0: That's what I'm going with.
1: Yeah, why not? Okay, so I guess, dude, I'm taking like 8,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. So I can tell you I'm fully vaccinated. I'm getting boosted every morning, in fact.
0: Even I'm all vaxxed up now. (laughs) Yes.
1: All right. If anything that stops you from getting a severe version of an infection... And obviously my vitamin D vaccine worked because I got COVID. I felt crappy for 36 hours. Literally felt like there was a tire iron on my chest. And then suddenly it just went away and I was fine. Didn't take anything else. Didn't take any ivermectin. I've actually got ivermectin now, but I didn't take any ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. I was out in a way on a speaking engagement in South Dakota when it hit me. So I I couldn't get to anything. And by the time I got on the plane to get back home, I was totally fine. So I'm back at work on Monday. Like nothing happened. So I guess my vitamin D worked. Right. So I'll chalk one up my little one person study for my vitamin D vaccine. So there you go. Okay, but. To say when we've all the same weekend that we crossed the threshold. Of more covid deaths this year with these therapeutics than we had last year without them. And to then run a headline that claims it's, it's the low vaccination rates that have led to this. Does anybody within the headline department at the Wall Street Journal have a brain, a soul, any credibility, a conscience, any credibility at all? How can you possibly assert that? How can you possibly assert that on any level of common sense at all? So more people died with this, the, the virus that we didn't have vaccines with this year than last year when there weren't any vaccines. But we're going to blame it on the unvaccinated? You folks at the Wall Street Journal, one of the last newspapers left of, a major, of major standing that a lot of people on both sides of America's culture war have any semblance of respect for. You guys ought to be ashamed of yourselves. That's, that's Onion, Babylon B kind of parody level stuff. And of course, at the Wall Street Journal, they take themselves very seriously. I mean, they're over there, golf clapping, Jonah Goldberg, and I don't even know the other dude's name because I don't watch Fox, man. In fact, I didn't even know those guys were still on. It's Hayes. Is that the Stephen other guy's name? Because they resigned over Tucker Carlson show or something. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you, you're, you're the smart people. And you guys run the headline that says we blame this on the unvaccinated even though there are more deaths this year with vaccines than we had the last year without them. Just shameful propagandizing. And I I really hope whatever it whatever you're getting paid over there for the ad schedule from Eli Lilly, Gilead, Moderna, Pfizer, I man, I hope it is I mean, I just hope you guys are just burning, tr- burning, cash. Please tell me you're whores and not sluts. A whore I can respect. It's just transactional, man. All right, it's the oldest. There's a reason we call it the world's oldest living profession. One of them's even in the lineage of the Messiah. So I got nothing but I can I can, I got nothing but res- but respect and proper due for flat out whoring yourself out. And that's just, you know, the human condition post-Genesis 3. Sluts, though. I'm getting nothing for this. I just, I want in on it. I want the attention. I just, you know, I want the recognition. You know, he gave me a jelly bean when I exited the backseat of his car. He, You know, let me ride shotgun to the prom. Didn't even take me, though. I mean, really? Please tell me you all are getting paid for a headline like that. Please. That you just didn't do it. Because you're hopelessly devoted, Sandy Duncan. Please don't, no, just please, please show the receipts. And I'll be like, all right, I'm good. Hate the game, not the player. I get it. We all got bills to pay and malice to feed. I get it, okay? But please tell me it didn't just do this because you're suckers, okay? Because I kind of fear that's probably why. And that's really pathetic. Let's go to Waukesha. Now, there's a, there's a couple of different versions of this video, which I'm grateful Aaron did not show you, but I did watch. Because the narrative we're being told now is that Mr. Brooks was, was actually fleeing another crime. He was actually fleeing another crime. And, of course, he's out on $1,000 bail for a slew of crimes, two of which, by the way, are felonies. How, how much was
2: the bail, Steve? $1,000. And what was, what, what, what class of crimes were they?
1: There were, I think there were five misdemeanors and two, two felonies, felonies, I believe. 1, two of them are felonies. Yeah. Two of them are felonies. Two of the crimes he was out on with the George Soros uh, anointed prosecutor there in your former stomping grounds in Milwaukee County, Todd. $1,000. And then 48 hours later at the city Christmas parade. If you watch other versions of this video, he is clearly swerving into people. Clearly. Now, I, maybe he's stoned. Maybe he's drunk. You know, you could also say, well, if you're fleeing a crime and you go and you find yourself by happenstance into a parade route, even while swerving away from people, it's going to look like you're swerving into them. Sure. Sure. And then there's Occam's Razor. And Occam's Razor has some questions. Like, so, just a couple days after a jury verdict in Wisconsin that was hyped up as a racial moment when it was a white guy shooting white guys, one of which, by the way, was a serial pedo. And I'm really not, I don't know about you guys, but this weekend, I really didn't, I really wasn't bothered at all that you guys were down a pedo in Wisconsin. Anybody else bothered by that? Anybody else like, no. crap, man, we're down a pedo in Wisconsin. Whatever are we going to do here. I right? slept well. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't really, you know, sweating that one at all. Okay. But after, and, and the president calls, the, this was a matter of white supremacy and it's racially charged. Just a couple days later, A guy grabs a vehicle and just swerves into a gathering of people. I don't know, man. I don't know. I suppose it could be. I suppose it could be a coincidence. But one hell of a coincidence it would be. You guys have any thoughts on that?
0: Uh, I'm enraged. The the man should have been hung on the courthouse lawn like last night i i i've kind of been in a trance ever since watching this uh last night the fact that look i mean all these people going out there in the kind of place is all of we have daughters mm-hmm. can i go to the mall you know things like that i don't want to put them in a prison camp or anything like that but is there anything we can do now as people where we don't feel like there's some sort of target on our chest. I mean, progressivism, it is just an utter cancer. And when the narrative you have like breathlessly Essie Cup Coming out, oh, She's a She'd, CNN yes.
1: personality. Buying, pretend, pretend conservative atheist. Yes.
0: Buying the whole thing. Oh, thank God, guys! They weren't. It wasn't terrorism. He was just. He was escaping a knife fight or something like that. I just. What the crap? We want to believe.
1: I mean the the, the alternative. It wasn't ter- wasn't an act of domestic terrorism. It was just a guy that got out because of our jailbreak, soft on crime policies, guys. So that's our, that's our, that's our back. That's our fallback position to give you the warm fuzzy this holiday season.
0: How much better is that for you that he didn't decide to go driving into a crowd, but when escaping a knife fight, he saw a crowd and said, I'm going right through. Yes. This offers you peace. Yes. We're in trouble, folks. We're in big, big trouble.
2: I'm not even sure why it's even getting any reactions other than... It's just a cult on every single level. Because I'm old enough to remember when, I don't know, the largest mass shooting in American history went down about a month later, uh, or even if, if that at all. Oh, didn't really uh, get uh, mass shooting, uh, barely know her. Uh, that, that was our media's reaction. Still don't know what Steven Paddock's motive was for that. But the reaction from the media, because it was an attack on a bunch of ostensibly white country music lovers, uh, crickets. I'm surprised they're not doing that here. Well, I should be surprised if it were not for, you know, the fact that this is a cult now. It's a full-fledged cult because to them, as Todd just alluded to, The alternative that he was fleeing a knife fight just hours after being released on a bail, on bail, for a couple of felonies, $1,000 for a couple of felonies. The alternative to that is that he got into a knife fight and then drove into a crowd of people trying to escape the law. That's the better alternative from them. It's a full-on, unmitigated cult. Jim Jones called and said, "Uh, You guys are cray. You guys are cray-cray. Anyway,
1: make sure you're vaccinated before you apply for euthanasia. Yeah, Otherwise, let's... your application will be denied.
0: Thank you for ending on that note. I, we need to clear. Make sure nobody's lost in the weeds on that one. It,
1: and by the way, the use of the phrase ending on that note, very apropos. Very Ooh. well played. Okay. The last couple days over the weekend, we're not gorging on sports I have been pondering a question and this morning I chose to run it by a couple buddies of mine that are pretty smart to see if it passed their muster it did and then another buddy of mine who's pretty smart worked in the Trump White House totally independent that conversation sent me the same question so I think it is providential that I am supposed to ask this today I'm going to take that as a sign I will when we come back You know, you have homeowner's insurance for a very good reason, because without it, you know, a fire, flood, burglary could destroy you financially. But there's another major infraction out there you need to be made aware of uh, that your homeowner's insurance, though, likely won't cover. It's called home title fraud, and the FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes, and it can ruin you Financially, which is why you need to take a look at our friends at Home Title Lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you have sold your home to them. And then they take out loans against your home, leaving you with all of those payments. You could end up spending a fortune on legal fees to prove that you didn't do this and that this was an act of fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title so that the instant they detect anyone... From a cyber thief to anyone attempting to get over on you, they help to shut it down. So go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address right now to see if you're already a victim and unaware, and then while you're there, enter the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, I've got a question. I'm going to lay it out, why I want to ask this, and Pose the question, and I'm going to give you guys, and then I'll do an awkward segue to another live raid, just to give you guys like an extra minute to consider your answers, okay? Because when this, when this, what I'm about to to propose, when it hit me this weekend, and I began pondering, and I'm like, wow, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go, dude, and you know, Revenge of the Nerds too. What if Cat was spelled D O G? But it kind of blew my mind that like. We hadn't thought about this before or no one else had brought it up, okay? So we we mentioned earlier on the program here that over the weekend, the trend line that we told you like three months ago we were heading towards uh, is, is now confirmed. And that trend line is we have more deaths with COVID in 2021 with therapeutics, not vaccines, with therapeutics than we had in 2020 without any of this stuff. And without any, Regeneron didn't hit the market until November. Most Americans didn't know what monoclonal antibodies were until Ron DeSantis began promoting them this spring and summer during the Sunbelt wave. So, and Rendem Severe doesn't work. So just throw that one away. So we we had. No established protocols of treatment. There was the hydroxychloroquine controversy early on, when it had very promising data. Then Trump mentioned it, and then suddenly it was the worst drug of all time, right? But ivermectin was kind of on the fringes of this last year. It it really went mainstream this year, and a lot of the the early treatment protocols, the 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 people that we've introduced you on the show, from Peter McCullough to Pierre Curie. To Dr. Molly James at ivermectonken.com, websites like Earlytreatmentreport.com, pushhealth.com. these things, none of these things existed last year. You have a lot more ac- we have a lot more access to early treatments that work than we had last year. We didn't have any vaccines last year. We do this year. A supermajority of Americans have been given at least one dose of vaccine. A super majority. Over 80% of our seniors have been given both doses of vaccine. There were no doses of vaccine last year. And yet, we have now officially surpassed the amount of COVID deaths this year than we had last. When you look at excess deaths, last year they were up about 17% over 2019. However, it wasn't just because of COVID. That was one of the top three contributors, but there were other contributors too, like the shutdowns that caused uh, a, a backlog of early screenings and detections, mental health things of that nature. So we did have a 17 percent increase in all call. I'm sorry, in excess mortality last year compared to 2019. What's it going to be this year? What's it going to be this year when we've already surpassed the COVID death total of last year? Which begs a question. If you were to ask me, Steve, prove to me that on a societal level, the COVID vaccines have worked on any level at all. Could I answer your question? And my answer is, no, I I couldn't. Even on this show, we've kind of just accepted a certain, and we're as skeptical as any, but even I've noticed, even I've kind of accepted a couple of nomenclatures or, or conventional wisdoms or talking points as, well, yeah. They still help with severe infections. I don't know. Because here's the thing we don't know. One, we don't have a true and real breakdown of vaccinated to unvaccinated. Most of these places still put this data out cumulative. If you look at the strongest arc of performance for these vaccines, they occurred in the spring between the northern seasonal winter wave and the Sunbelt summer wave when we needed the least amount of health or the least amount of help, I should say. Two, because of Delta, all previous COVID vaccine, not vaccine, efficacy data is irrelevant, which begs the question, did these vaccines create a certain level of antibody-dependent enhancement? Or as Geert Bosch points out and Robert Malone points out, they violate evolutionary science and have therefore made the strain stronger. Did they contribute to what Delta became? I don't I can't answer that for you. I can't I can't answer for you with what a real, true, raw number breakdown of vaccinated to unvaccinated is. I can't answer that for you. As someone that's done as much research into this as anybody has, I can't answer that question for you. I'm not qualified to answer the question of what, if any, contribution have these therapeutics made as a poor product to a more virulent strain and then the people that are qualified to answer those kinds of questions seem very uh, hesitant i guess we'll go with to you know get answers to such a question third we have no real true investigatory process for adverse side effects so we don't even know we don't even know the risk ratio level on that level we don't even know the risk reward ratio we don't know because there would have to be and some off there would have to be some off balancing there right with the risks so when when i look at all of these things on a societal level and now i i told you in september in September I told you if you sign up for this you need to know you are really signing up for an ongoing human trial of injections and reinjections with experimental technology with no known end in sight. And now you've got Anthony Fauci saying in late November you might have to get these boosters every 6 months. We don't know what the long-term side effects are of this sort of technology being reinjected in by the billions of doses into people over and over again because you have to that's multi- a multiplier when you just keep doing it over and over again. We don't know if it alters your physiology or immune system in some way, shape, or form. We don't know the answer to that. And so when, when you consider all of those variables that I just raised, if you were to ask me point blank, Steve, can you definitively say that the COVID non-vaccine therapeutics on a societal level have been a net positive in saving lives. I I can't answer that question. I I I don't know how I would answer it. So now I want to pose all of that to Todd and Aaron. Give him a second to think about it here while I tell you about Built Bar, the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. I cannot wait for the next commercial break because I told you I tried this flavor that's coming out here soon. This Ruby Chocolate Built Bar Puff, which is like their marshmallow variety. It is incredible how good it is. All of their flavors, though, are really good. All covered in real chocolate, loaded with flavor. You'll think it's a candy bar, but it is a protein bar because it doesn't have the sugars, calories, and carbs that your candy bars do. It does have the protein, though, that you're looking for, and if you want to try it today, 15% off when you use my last name, Dace, D-E-A-C-E, as your promo code. When you go to Built.com. promo code Dace, use promo code Dace to get 15% off today at Built. Dot .com All right gentlemen.
0: Your Aaron, thoughts. I, I'm probably pretty predictable. You want to take a shot?
2: So I just giving the giving the vaccines the maximum imaginary benefit of the doubt. Let's say they are um let's say they're 100% effective. 100% effective in keeping people from severe outcomes, hospitalization and death. Let's say they are 100% effective in doing so. It would still be hard, though not as difficult as it is now. It would still be difficult to determine whether or not they're actually working because of the way we're reporting data. Now, the reason why it would be um, it would be a little bit... Uh, A little bit easier because you would have anecdotal evidence and then you would have long term evidence as well. Well, we have X percentage of this population is vaccinated and you would think the deaths and hospitalizations would follow. You know, that's kind of the bottom line result. But let's uh, but we don't don't know that. And the vaccine is obviously not 100 percent effective because that's magical thinking. So from the get go. Even now, and even back uh, 12, almost 12 months ago, when the vaccine regime took over, uh, from the get-go, because the way we were reporting our data, it was always going to be a difficult task to determine truly how effective the vaccines are and whether or not they're overall making a difference. The second part of this, though, um, they, they are not—it's— it's also then on the other side of the token, too. Because uh, for one, uh, what, what's the philosophical law? For one uh, side of the assertion to be true, the inverse must also, must mm-hmm. also be Otherwise true. It's fallacy. It's also difficult to determine how ineffective they are as well. And that goes to some dark places as well. All we have right now is the overall numbers, the raw numbers. Israel, UK, and now heading into the United States. We saw the deaths and hospitalizations decouple in the UK for a while. Didn't really see that as much in Israel. And we thought, okay, doesn't prevent transmission, but at least it's helping. Well, that's not true anymore in the UK. The hospitalizations and deaths are also picking up, which I think we can probably expect here as well. So, from the get-go, it was going to be almost an impossible task to determine or measure a vaccine, the vaccine's success, efficacy, or lack thereof.
0: Uh, listen, ev- even when we were uh, thinking that the, the so-called vaccine did help uh, people tamp down symptoms, there's, a, there's always been a question, though, how do you know? How do you know when Neil Cavuto comes out and says, I would have died without that? How do you know? How can you possibly prove it? You can't. See, this is the magical power of vaccines. I would have... Once this was not a regular vaccine, and you know what I think about those, but once it was an mRNA vaccine, I would have never... A lot of mass vaccination. It would have been experimental be- within the most vulnerable populations. We knew from the beginning it didn't come like a thief in the night for children. We knew that it was over sixty to sixty five, largely with comorbidities, many times multiple comorbidities. We knew very early there was a place called Sweden that showed signs that you were not going to turn into a pile of ash. We've known that for a long time though, when you chose to do something differently. We've known a lot of things for a long time now. This was a terrible idea. From the beginning, and it's an even a worse idea now, because we're learning right now that in the eyes of many, these vaccines cannot fail. It's impossible for them to fail. And, it, and Fauci's telling you, well, if we get more data, we might do that. They don't care about data. It has nothing to do with data. They will never let the vaccines fail, no matter how many times they fail. I don't know how I can be more clear about that.
1: To me, the best you can say is that they are effective and I can't say this yet to but just analyzing the trend okay if 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 I were doing data analysis for a campaign or a business like I have done throughout my career and they asked me what's the knowing where the data is and has gone what is the best case scenario that you could lay out for what this could eventually mean cuz there's not enough data in yet to know one way or the other, the best case scenario is that these work in mitigating symptoms for a limited amount of time, but will require, at least until they, unless they develop a superior product, will require you getting consistently injected and re-injected with them, within a, a within intervals, and those intervals could be three months, six months, nine months, yearly. We don't know that yet. And that is with a technology that we also don't know yet. What is the long-term ramifications of putting that into your body? We don't know. See, we're back to what I said earlier this year. Everyone here is taking a risk. We do not know the long-term ramifications of even an asymptomatic exposure to a virus of, let's just call it, malicious origin. Neither do we know what are the long-term consequences of being injected with this experimental technology, especially now if we're just going to keep re-injecting you with it. Do we know the answers to either one of those things? No. No, we don't. Which is why this, this should be a moment for maximum grace and matters of conscience. The minute, the minute we acknowledge these things don't mitigate against the transmission of the virus, this should have been, this should have been a 1,000% exclusively an individual risk assessment for every single person that's doing this calculus right now. What do I want to take my chances with, the virus or these vac- or these yeah. therapeutics?
0: Instead, in the Netherlands, they're pulling out the water cannons.
1: Yes. Yes. Because that's what tells you that this isn't about data, yeah. and it's not about science, and it's not about health. And it never has been. And we're back with hour two, live and on demand, here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre, Todd and here with me as well. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Uh, you can also get clips of the show on rumble.com/slash Steve Day Show. And if you are a podcast listener, please, if you like the show, Leave us a five-star review. If you don't like the show, we wouldn't ask you to lie. But if you do like the show, please, by all means, embellish. Even if you just like it a little bit, give us a five-star review anyway. We need all the help we can get. Uh, And please hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform of your preference. Uh, So many of you have done that and led to the exciting uh, growth of our show in these last couple of years. We thank each and every one of you. So, thank you. Without further ado, let's get to our guest here at the top of the hour. The name of the book... The Chief's Chief, written by a guy who has really lived, if you know his life story and his political background, uh, from Tea Party at business owner, Tea Party activist, to a fledgling member of Congress, to head of the House Freedom Caucus, to then eventually uh, held one of the highest positions in our government that's unelected, White House Chief of Staff, Mark
4: Meadows. It's been a while, Mark. It's good to have you on the show, brother. How are you? it's great to be back with you and thanks for bringing the truth to the american people and congratulations on your new book uh and and uh, obviously dr fauci is making news again uh, as he wants to try to uh rain on everybody's thanksgiving and christmas and uh, whatever may follow in the new year so it's great to be with you so mark i appreciate that Let, let's i want to begin with
1: what goes into the decision between, and there's a moment where whenever you're part of an insurgent movement, like you were with the Tea Party, right? And 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 I think people maybe don't remember, you're a movement guy. I mean, one of the first things you did yeah. when you got to Congress was try to oust John Boehner as the speaker, okay? So, I mean, but there is a moment where at some point you're like, okay, where do we transition from insurgency to influence to try to actually change, not just have an argument, but maybe win it every now and then? And so you're head of the House Freedom Caucus. The offer comes to become White House Chief of Staff. What goes into the calculus there of, is this the moment to move from insurgent to influencer?
4: Well, I can tell you, uh, having the honor of serving Donald Trump, uh, who actually uh, we had had our debates while I was in Congress. Uh, if you'll recall oh, the health care debate, Paul Ryan was trying to put in forth uh, put forth a bill that actually was going to raise Premiums, not lower them. And uh, Jim Jordan and I said, no, we can't do that. And that was early on in the Trump administration. But I think that the big, big thing is, is that uh, uh, President Trump kept. Uh, getting uh, fought from within. Uh, the D.C. swamp is is deeper than everybody uh, can imagine. Uh, people in D.C. think it's a hot tub, uh, but unfortunately, it's it's a swamp that actually wants to devour our freedoms and our liberties. And so. Uh, doing that, it was it was tough to leave Congress, leave some of the friends. But uh, the other part of that is the battle goes on, so it's it's more important than any one person. And quite frankly, uh, a lot of my colleagues in the House Freedom Caucus continue to fight on behalf of the American men and women. Uh, but it was also a job that I had to understand that I wasn't going to be able to sleep because President Trump didn't sleep at all, uh, and he worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and uh, it was the hardest job I ever had, but but certainly a rewarding one as well.
1: what for those for those that worked closely with him in that setting? Yeah. and then what and then there's the persona that we often see in the media, particularly when it's him versus the media, right. I mean, when he was when he was running early on in the primary and spent a lot of time uh, here in my home state of Iowa, for example, i I would have several long, deep conversations with him that. We're not necessarily the caricatures that of the of the of you know the the bombastic back and forth with the media that we often saw for four years. What did you see behind the scenes that might give people maybe a, a different perspective on Donald Trump?
4: Well, it's interesting you say that, Steve, because in the Chief's Chief, I kind of outline a, a number of those conversations, but. But the person in Donald Trump that uh, you got to speak with in Iowa, I got to serve uh, in the Oval Office, actually was somebody that was more interested in what Americans thought uh, and and what what the media wants to portray is that he has his way of thinking and that it's going to be his way or the highway. And quite frankly, uh, what he wanted to do is have a real back and forth. And so, uh, as you noted, uh, he might have a conversation about everything from... From uh, the Iowa State Fair to Iowa corn to uh, what's happening in California and how that may affect it, and he'll have that real conversation. And uh, and sometimes it's on a personal note. I mean, uh, we we laughed about being old enough to remember who Perry Mason was and Columbo and and things like that. And those are those are the kinds of conversations that you'd have around a dining room table. And actually, when you get President Trump uh, in the privacy of, of those moments. You find that there's a a real care and compassion, not just for America first, but for the American people and what matters to them.
1: Let's go to the job.
4: Yeah. And,
1: you know, I've I've told our audience that there is no real way to win. The, The presidency is not a game. There is really no way to win. It's the ultimate Kobayashi Maru test. I mean, you are trying to mitigate no-win scenarios on a daily basis, right? Right. You take over in March of 2020, and then, of course, that is the month that the entire world is about to change and still has not really changed back, and it might end up being irrevocable in some places. Who knows? Walk us through that transition.
4: Yeah, so it's amazing because there were so many people that uh, had just been put in place really prior to me coming in to be chief of staff. I was actually uh, joining uh, many of the calls early on while I was still a member of Congress and, uh, in March. And, and they talked about this 15 days to slow the spread, and, and my, my question to all of them is if we shut down the, the, the economy you know, what are the parameters for opening it back up? And, and you're right, we still have yet to open up everything. In fact, there is this uh, reoccurrence of let's put in this mandate, let's do this particular thing in the interest of safety. And, and the president was, was trying to seek that advice, uh, but you are many times in a no-win situation. I, I can tell you this, that uh, he would bring in uh, all of his advisors. Uh, but more importantly, he would uh, he would have a real debate in the Oval Office and and try to come up with things uh, that that actually benefit the American people. But the interesting thing is, even with the the 45 day shutdown of the economy, he was very cognizant of the fact that he was going to have to bring it back very quickly so that more people weren't harmed. And he often said, you know, we can't make the, the, the cure way, uh, worse than, than actually the, what ails them. And, uh, and so uh, a, a number of, uh, but that's, that's why the 45th president did, in my mind, uh, such a tremendous job, uh, because he would weigh those kinds of things, make the difficult decisions, and uh, even in spite of political consequences, uh, oftentimes that would uh, be heralded his way. We just had
1: Peter Navarro on our show a little more than a week ago. Um, yeah. Of course, you know him well. And for people yeah, that don't really know well. the name, uh, he was kind of Trump's China czar, for lack of a better description. <laughs> and But he expressed to us a great deal of frustration in trying to get intel, um, accurate information on data and the virus, to do the true motivations and origins of the virus and the Chinese government he expressed to us on our show frustration working within the White House structure that there were clearly elements that were attempting to obstruct getting that kind of information to the West Wing. Can you speak to that as the chief of staff or the former chief of staff?
4: Yeah. So, uh, so Dr. Navarro is exactly right. When you look at at the information that was coming down, uh, whether it was relying too much on China's data uh, that we knew was incorrect. Or uh, actually kind of uh, doing what I would say the diplomatic heisman and saying, uh, hold on, let's let's don't be too uh, too difficult on china. and And that's still happening today. and and uh, and so Peter is right when it came to some of these individuals, whether it's Dr. fauci uh, or Dr. Burks or some of the other people at NIH and HHS. Uh, they there wasn't a whole lot of desire to be uh, transparent. I, I can tell you, I I told the president uh, what he needed to do is make sure that we got out of the the WHO. We sent a very clear message that they were uh, teaming up with uh, with China. And oh, you would have thought that uh, you know I had. Uh, um, spike the, the the punch in a, a with poison because uh, everybody said well we can't get out of the w-h-o and yet still today we're paying uh, for China research we're actually still not getting uh, the kind of data from the transparency and so there were a few people like Peter and a few others that wanted to hold them accountable but there was this back and forth oftentimes in the West Wing uh, that was more of a, uh You know, an an apologist for for China than it was for transparency for America.
1: So much of last year, Mark, with covid was a data war, an information war. Yeah. And, you know, I I would sit here on our show daily and we're, we're talking to scientists from Stanford, people like well Scott Atlas, who eventually joined the White House Coronavirus Task Force. But yeah. people, but there were scientists from. That's what kind of shocked me from the beginning. Is there were people from elite academic centers, guys like you and I can't get into. All right, Stanford, Harvard, right. Oxford, Yale, that kind of called BS on what Ron DeSantis now calls Fauciism. All right, they right. were kind of calling BS on this from the beginning, and I, I spoke to a lot of people that within our movement, within conservative media, that and everybody trying to figure out: Are you guys getting? This kind of information in the White House or is it just one stream of data and information from Debbie, uh, you know, bedazzle your face shield Burks. And I go on I go I go visit my family for Thanksgiving while the rest of you stay home for Ebs and Anthony Fauci, who's just a consistent total dissembler. How come we never created an alternative information stream from those two individuals, do you think?
4: Yeah. Uh, so part of that, Steve, is uh, so the answer is is were we getting some of that? And and the answer is is uh, yes. In 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 part, uh, it's part of the reason why Scott Atlas actually came on uh, uh, because uh, we needed credible voices that would actually at least give you uh, the real debate where you could have two sides. But the other thing that we see, and that's why uh, you taking the the truth and and letting the truth be told. Is is so critically important is that the overwhelming majority of the media uh, have you know they've they've set Dr. Fauci up on this pedestal as being truth, uh, and and every time he talks, I mean he was on the media uh, more than uh, than Mike Lindell was doing uh, TV commercials on (laughs) Fox. I mean it was uh, it it was incredible. And so so when you look at that, Steve. that That information would come to the White House,, uh, but it was just so overwhelmed by so many others in uh, in the media uh, and and breaking through was very, very difficult. Uh, I, I can tell you that that President Trump uh, kept focusing oftentimes on uh, on the therapeutic side of things and and more on the therapeutics than on the vaccines. Uh, and, and yet, uh, was, was getting a real pushback at, uh, FDA and NIH, uh, where they wanted to push more on the vaccine side of the equation. Um, uh, candidly, uh, Dr. Fauci, and I put this in the book, The Chief's Chief, Dr. Fauci early on, uh, said, uh, eventually everybody's going to get COVID. Now, he said this in May of, of 2020, and, and yet today, uh, the way that he talks about, uh, uh, Mass mandates and vaccines and booster shots. Uh, it It is all his belief that that will be the, the medicine that cures you. And and quite frankly, it it doesn't align with the facts.
1: We're talking former the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, author of the new book. He just mentioned it. The Chief's Chief here on Blaze TV Radio and podcast. I want to come back to COVID in another context here later, but my audience absolutely also wants me to talk about what happened with this last election. Yeah. So let me just throw it to you open-endedly, Mark. What yeah. happened is in this last election.
4: Yeah. So there was definitely fraud. Uh, we still have yet to to get the 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 full dynamics of, of how much fraud. Uh, obviously, everybody's paying attention. Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, but but again, uh, with that, uh, I, I think that. I'm in favor of having audits in all fifty states. Uh, it's not just the states where Donald Trump uh, was announced the loser, but but actually uh, having them where we have a, a real audit system where the integrity of the ballot uh, box, and certainly uh, the custodian from from voter to ballot box uh, is something that is is not fraudulently, uh, uh, addressed, but, but we have to continue to, to work on that. I can tell you, uh, uh, at Conservative Partnership Institute, the nonprofit I'm working with, Cleta Mitchell uh, is leading our effort there, working very closely with a number of people uh, across the country uh, on this issue. But to just ignore it is, is not only wrong, uh, wrong uh, and I mentioned in, in the book, The Chief's Chief, that we've, uh, you know, it's chapter 15 talking about the long con and the way that uh, so many on the left, uh, not only through mail-in ballots, but through the whole Russia hoax, set in place uh, the, the ripe um, uh, environment, I would say, uh, for fa- fraudulent be- behavior to happen. And, and uh, we still have yet to get to the bottom of it.
1: Do you feel... Or let me put it this way. Do you trust the current election process? Because I get emails yeah. from people all the time that tell me, what's the point in voting if they're not going to actually and accurately count the votes?
4: Yeah, well, uh, that that's true. But at the same time, what we have to do is make sure, being part of an activist, uh, as you mentioned, we actually need to make sure that we stay involved. And I can tell you that uh, in Virginia, uh, in this most recent election, uh, over 90% of the polling places actually had uh, had somebody that was was there and trained and 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 accountable in terms of potential uh, observations of fraud. And, and that's uh, about a 60% increase from where it was in 2020 during the presidential. Uh, and, and it depends on the state. Some states are better than, than others when it comes to uh, election integrity. Um, do I have complete confidence that, that fraudulent behavior is, is certainly uh, not going to happen in a number of states? No. It's why there's over 300 legislative solutions in state uh, legislatures across the country, but we actually have to get them enacted and make sure that we're there. Uh, I think that we need a, a paper backup, a real paper backup, so that these audits uh, indeed are, are done in, in a way that is not only uh, uh, trustworthy, but but convincing where they stand up to scrutiny. And, and uh, as we look at that, Steve, uh, it, it's it's a work in progress. I, I can tell you that uh, just returning back from Nevada, there are a number of people that are working on this issue there as well. and uh, and and it's critical uh, for the American people and those that are listening in and tuned in right now, that they would uh, they would actually stay involved. Uh, you know if if your ballot uh, is not going to be counted, uh, then certainly it will be frustrating, but it's it's too early to give up. And quite frankly, our country is too great of a country to give up. We just need to work together to find a, a solution for what ails us.
1: Well, well said. If you could go back and do anything differently that <laughs> final year in office. Yeah. And there's no way, man. We're guys. Of course, you play this yeah. stuff out in your head. You're up at night. Yeah. Wish we could have done that differently. What's the one thing yeah. you would have done differently?
4: Well, uh, w- one of the things that, well, I, I'm, I'm going to answer it with two. So you gave me one, one option. So I'm <laughs> going to give you on two different fronts, on the two different issues we talked about. One is very early on, spending a lot more time on therapeutics, on what actually uh, would, if you came down with COVID, what could you actually take to actually be a treatment? Uh, the president had pushed that, and uh, I should have pushed harder on that. And the other is in July of 2020, uh, when I was told that we had uh, attorneys that were, were there uh, willing to contest a, a number of the potential election anomalies, as they would uh, call it then, uh, in these states, to make sure that that was a lot more robust and, and, uh, and well well-sourced. So those would be the two things I would have done differently. When we look to the future... And you
1: have not been shy about pointing this out. And the president has been about probably as coy as he's capable. But it's fairly obvious that if health doesn't intervene, he's going to run again in 2024. And that has uh, a lot of people excited. But if there's one question that I see happen a lot, and as I mentioned at the top, you're a movement guy. You come out of right. our movement, so you're right. well tuned in into what shows like mine and sources like the Blaze and audiences like ours what they think. The one thing people want to know is, um, are did we learn lessons from the first time in, in in personnel? So here's a list of people I prepared. So you look at you look at William Barr, who after his handling of Russia, the the collusion fraud probe, I think disappointed everybody on the issue of election fraud. Elaine Chow, Mitch McConnell's wife, was one of the first people to come out and say, I disavow the president for sparking the riot that wasn't on January 6th. I already mentioned Debbie Burks, Anthony Fauci, who, frankly, I think deserves a Nuremberg kind of trial. Stephanie Grisham, the first lady's former advisor, who's now out trying to make a buck by uh, smearing her name. Gina Haspel, who Trump thankfully got rid of at CIA Jim Mattis uh, at defense Mick Mulvaney was a a person that a lot of conservatives were very very concerned about Mike Pence is somebody that a lot of people are very disappointed uh, both in his in in the in the the committee that he I'm sorry, the, the yeah, the committee, the coronavirus task force that he oversaw. And then also, you know, what his behavior over January 6th, Rex Tillerson, who was a disappointment at secretary of state that the president thankfully fired. And Christopher Wray, who testified to Congress last year that Antifa just an idea uh, and has been beyond shady at the FBI. Mark, you well know these are names that if you you don't have to spend much time on conservative Twitter or conservative facebook or conservative media these are names that are kind of on a most wanted list and 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 yeah. to your point which you said earlier you you are it's not like the system wants to give you and volunteer up You know, decades of people prepped and ready to over to run an administration that's countercultural. We all agree with that. But and that's why people were excited about your hiring, because it was viewed as outside of that, this this kind of poisonous water table here. Right. Are these conversations that within Trump's inner sanctum that you guys know going in now, if we do this again, we got to have a farm team ready to go. We got to know who the backups are. We need a depth chart and who to trust and who not to trust this next go around.
4: All right, so in the last chapter of the Chief's Chief, I outline exactly what you're talking about uh, because uh, I've had those conversations not only with President Trump, uh, but with others in his orbit. And here's the interesting thing is he said, Mark, as we were leaving, he said, man, I wish we knew then what we know now. And and that was all about personnel and about how uh, even some of his friends recommending people that he hire people uh, and, and we need to be quick to fire and slow to hire. And actually it was the other way around. They were very quick to hire and slow to fire. And uh, leading into November of 2020, we actually had... Uh, uh, a huge list of uh, org charts uh, where we were actually going to revamp all, all of Washington, D.C. So I can tell you, uh, those that are tuned in now, uh, in President Trump's second term, uh, it, the personnel will be key because personnel is policy, and, uh, and there won't be the, the, the person inside uh, the tent uh, shooting at uh, uh, metaphorically at the President of the United States. And, uh, and we'll make sure that we get that part of it right. And if not, we'll be quick to fire.
1: Final thing. What didn't I ask you about that our audience (laughs) needs to know?
4: Well, they need to buy your book. And, uh, and so you didn't ask me about that, but I think the, the, the bigger, the bigger thing is, is, um, what, what indeed, uh, would be the, the, the greatest challenge going forward. And I think the greatest challenge going forward is is can we survive uh, another three years of, of Biden administration policy that that honestly, uh, I, I couldn't imagine that it, it would have gotten this bad this quickly. Uh, Socialism slash communism is uh, becoming a a talked about thing on Capitol Hill. And so we can't just rely on 2022 and 2024 if somebody has an R behind their name making it right. They need to have intestinal fortitude and a backbone of steel. Uh, Thank you uh, for uh, bringing the truth to the American people and, and letting the truth be told.
1: Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you for your time, brother. God bless. All right. Take care.
4: God bless you. Thanks, Steve. Take
1: care. You bet. Name of the book, again, is The Chief's Chief, uh, and it releases on December the 7th. Pre-orders are available right now at Amazon if you want to get it. Pre-orders available now. It releases December the 7th. uh, The Chief's Chief by former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Very kind with his time there. We, on purpose, didn't tell him how long it was going to be because I had several things I wanted to ask him, so... Thankfully, Mark was kind and generous to stick around here for about 25 minutes. Uh, let me tell you before we move on with the rest of the program where we want to discuss what we just heard from Mark Meadows. Uh, we'll tell you first, though, that if you you need to know, you've got 360. Is that a lot? That's a lot. 360 joints from your neck down each vertebra in your back to your arms, your hips, your knees, your feet. That is 360 different places in your body where inflammation could seep in and cause what is known as chronic pain. Now, what's chronic pain? It's that lingering, nagging pain and soreness and achiness that just doesn't seem to go away no matter what you do. It's not an injury. If you've got an injury, by all means, go and get professional treatment right away. But if we're talking the nagging, lingering, chronic variety, chances are that's too much inflammation in your body. And if you want to see uh, about an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by 35 years of clinical research and going on the last two years of my daily usage, so I can personally attest to its effectiveness, it's called Omega XL, and you can try it right now. Buy one bottle, get a second one for free. Buy one bottle, get a second one for free. When you go to OmegaXL.com Steve, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. All right, before we go to, um, we get in depth on his answers, and we'll do that more in the next segment. I want you two to tell me, what did you think about the questions I asked Mark? I I tried to get to some of the issues we spent so much time, for example, on. Do they know about this or why isn't this happening with COVID last year? Is there a question I should have asked that I didn't ask, or a point that you think I should have pressed more?
0: Well, ultimately, start why it wasn't just a matter of bringing Atlas in, and it might be in hindsight, too, but it, did Fauci just and company, did they just flat out need to be fired? I mean, if if there was a, if there was interference being run informationally, how can you possibly do your job effectively as commander in chief if the so-called health experts, which you'd be the American people by default, you know, trust the experts? That's in the water table everywhere. Well, you clearly could not trust the experts. Why would you even work with them? At some point, why did you not fire them? I mean,
1: so the reason I didn't ask specifically about firing Fauci is because I thought he was part and parcel with an overall. I was actually planning on asking about that and realized actually there's about seven or eight people, you know, oh, that that yeah. many of us wanted fired a lot sooner. So let's go ahead and make it kind of a a package deal, if you will. But that's why yeah. I approached it that way. All
0: those all those names on that list. Mm-hmm.
1: And there's uh, more no, no. names. I just took the no, most no. high profile ones at the most high profile jobs. I can't,
0: I can't think. Of none of them are wreaking havoc over our lives currently, except for Fauci. Ray is Ray is still at FBI. Okay, remember? Ray, excuse me. There's, yeah. there's another one. Yeah. But I mean, that, he's he's
1: basically the Democratic Party Stasi so at has this a good point. point. I couldn't yeah.
0: remember. But that's the point. They, this is it, because he wasn't taken care of when he should have been. Here we sit.
1: Yeah, the, it, it's clear that they tried some form of stapler guy with him, right? They brought Atlas in and kind of tried to move him, you know, downstairs to another office. Tucking Fauci, yeah, yeah. they did try that stapler guy approach. But you're right; you, you typically got to drive a stake through the heart yes, of a vampire like that, right?
2: Aaron, was there something the, I didn't ask I should ask? Fascinating question that I'm not really sure if there's a possible answer to it. But where would the where would the typical Trump administration staffer or cabinet member? Where did they get their information or news from Hmm. on a daily basis? Now, that may be impossible to answer. Where were were they getting their sources of information? Because you would think they, of all people, would be near the source of all of those pieces of information. But I think for the most part, um, it was governed, at least during COVID, like they were anything but.
1: And I think you saw DeSantis learn from that mistake when, before he started pushing back policy-wise, he created an alternative stream of data yep. with a different set of experts, right? Correct. All right, we'll come back. We'll get some reaction to the interview here next. Some of you might recall uh, about a week or two ago, we featured a new documentary on the show called Enemies Within the Church. It is potent. It is powerful. It is unsettling. And part of it is because it it does what, what I've done to others for many years. I just roll tape of their actual comments and then you realize, oh no, that actually happened. So I can't blame the messenger. Okay, they're not making it up. It's all true. Even I was unsettled a couple of times watching the film. Even I was tempted to say, I don't know if I can do another 10 minutes of this. So I got a dose of my own medicine there. All right, if, if you want to watch... Enemies within the church, it brings together Christian voices from across the country and the world, really, uh, to share what they have seen about the infiltration of the evangelical church in America. And one of the things I mentioned to you, Todd, that as a Catholic, that is brought up in this film on several occasions, is that this is the same playbook of how the Catholic church was infiltrated with what we now call liberation theology and things of that mm-hmm. nature, right? So it's the same playbook, just running against a different team this time. But uh, I would encourage you, you can buy the DVD or purchase the pay-per-view streaming at enemies, plural, enemieswithinthechurch.com. You can get either the DVD or the pay-per-view stream at enemieswithinthechurch.com. Uh, some quick reaction I've gotten in the inbox to our Mark Meadows interview. Uh, Mike Baldwin says the last question you posed to Meadows was the cornerstone Now that we know President Trump questioned his administration's loyalty and those personal agendas while very much still in office, yet it chose to wait until re-election, I don't believe in do-overs. Kirk uh, writes, you, me, me, uh, let us down by not asking Meadows why Trump remains tone deaf on the vaccines and January 6th, I'm disappointed. You know, Kirk, it's fair here, if I'm going to ask Meadows if you could do anything over again, what would it be? If I could do anything over again, this is why I wanted to read your note, Kirk, because when it was over, I'm like, I totally forgot to ask about the people being detained on January the 6th. So I got to own that criticism, Kirk. You're right. I did let you down by not asking about that. So that's why I wanted to read your note to point that out. That one is on me. So my bad. All right. Now I want to get you guys' reactions to the answers. And the floor is open. Who wants it?
0: Overall... I found it too optimistic. The I don't know Mark like Steve does. I don't know him at all. But I know these times. And I know we are here within 12 hours of a guy just making a political statement by getting in his car and plowing through a bunch of people. And now the press is running interference for it. Listen there's there's no, uh, we, we learn from our mistakes, and we're anxious to put this in front of the electorate again, and these are like I'm, I'm doing a rough vibe paraphrase of what I got. but n- no no book is going to solve this. And heck, Steven, I, I wrote a book, but it's it, it, those are just opening salvos to action on a level that no one has put in before in terms of taking this country back i i just i i i I needed a deeper sense that if and it's it was seemed undeniable like when steve said about the optics of him clearly running again mark didn't run away from any of that embraced it seemed to say like I was kind of reading between the lines that, you know, the things we're addressing in this chapter is how we're going to go into hiring and the firing and the personnel and what we're going to do differently. But this is, I still got the sense that real fundamental core lessons haven't really been learned. This is a civil war now. And the enemy that bamboozled them last time is it, i don't it doesn't feel like it can lose whether it retains the White House or not. I don't think it's threatened in the least bit by Trump winning back the White House because of how it knows it ultimately won scoreboard last time, so I'm feeling not not by mark personally, but I'm just feeling a little disheartened. I guess I should expect it i I don't I, I, don't, I don't look around anywhere. It's not just my—I don't look around most people places these days, no matter what forum I'm in, personal, p- professional, getting a real sense that people are ready to do what must be done, Sean Connery. But, I, but then again, I'm, I've am i been in a mood since I saw that last night, and I might not have I, that car crash last night. Not uh, car crash. That murder spree last night. Mm-hmm. I might just not have eyes to see right now, and that's on me.
1: Well, it's good to be self-aware. That's that's good. The, I'll also add, that is Mark's personality. He is just a nice, you know, uh, cheery Southern gentleman. That That's kind of his personality in general, just as an FYI.
0: The, um, you have, where is it? The, um. You've had it on the wall in a lot of places. It's been here. I just don't the 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 time to slit throats. Oh, the HL Mencken. HL Mencken. That's what.
1: Can you repeat it? Sometimes, um, sometimes the circum. All you can do, all the all a man can do, is 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 raise the black flag and start slitting throats. Yes.
0: We we are a lot closer to that than most people want to believe. If we're not already there. And since you've hung that on that wall, on your wall, that's just... I'm, I'm feeling that. Now that
1: I mention I don't know why it's not on the wall now. I, well,
0: I, it's always been on the wall. I don't yeah. know
1: why it's not on the wall now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good... I mean, I, I mean, it's been about five years since I've talked to Mark. I used to know him fairly well. Um, and when he used to come on this show all the time, running for Congress and as a member of Congress, that used to be up on the wall. I don't know why it's not anymore. I'm glad you reset that. I'm just saying, yeah.
0: the, the official voices of Americana these days are regularly granting license to chaos. That's the world we're raising our children in. Uh, and I, I just need, I need a far greater sense of militancy from anybody who wants my vote. That's all I'm saying.
1: Especially because three years, I mean, Mark himself said, I, I think all of us are stunned at how fast this has gone systemically downhill and the conversations that are being had and the no self-awareness. What, I mean, Bill Maher right now, yes. I mean, he's on a, the, the, the closing dialogue or monologue that he had on a show Saturday night. He goes on CNN with Chris Cuomo. Bill Maher is like on a one man mission to try to save Democrats from losing a hundred seats next year, straight up. And, and probably every contested gubernatorial race in the country. And, and he sounds a lot like us. Guys, 70% of the country is white. Do you think it's a good idea to tell 70% of potential voters they're terrible because of the color of their skin? And as liberals, didn't we always call that racist when people mm-hmm. did that to non-whites, right? Mm-hmm. And if we've had, as Mark said, this level of deconstruction in a year where are we at in two or three years? Right. And we're the ones that are going to be out here suffering through this. Right. And it sounds to me, you know what? And Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Tell me if I am. It sounds to me like what you wanted to hear was from the, a, more of a frustrated tone or an ornrier or tone that showed some empathy for what it's like out here in the cheap seats, for what it's like out here when we, we don't get to hang out at the Mar-a-Lago we agree that the election was stolen and we're the ones suffering from those consequences right now, right? We're the ones that can't, that, you know, some of us in our audience right now wondering, am I going to be able to afford a turkey for this Thanksgiving for the first time ever? Simple things like that. Can I fill up a gas tank and go visit grandma? That is if she's not even in a lockdown. We're the ones that are suffering through the deconstruction in just one year that he kind of we we are quantifying what he what he laid out.
0: I'm glad you brought up Bill Maher because time after time, and I watched the same video this right. Mm-hmm. Bill Maher, we disagree on all kinds of things, but he understands in this moment how tragically dumb things have gotten, mm-hmm. and and it's a dumb that is an asteroid. Hurtling it. Bill Maher gets that he he he's gone see, in in
1: in fifteen years. He's gone from the mastermind of religion yeah. religious to the Ezekiel Watchman yeah. on the wall of common sense in America. He yes. keeps
0: telling you week after week after week. This is unsustainable. The center will not hold. Mm-hmm. We can't keep doing this dance. I need that from anybody. I'm going to anybody. I will take seriously. So, so on empathy.
1: you 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 want empathy. Yeah. Do you understand what we're going through out yeah. here? Okay,
0: Aaron.
2: Yeah, that's kind of why I asked the question about um, where do these people get their news sources from? Because if it's the same places that Left America does, if it's the CNNs, if it's even the Wall Street journals of the world, there is no empathy there. There is just derision and condescension. I will say, I don't know Mark personally, obviously. What's really going to be required, we've been talking about this for evs. what's really going to be required in the next Republican president, if there is one, if we last that long with those stipulations, is the wherewithal, the intestinal fortitude, and the backing up of people like you and me to totally destabilize Washington, D.C. through firings from the executive branch. Being completely and utterly, uh, completely and utterly uh, hell bent on rooting out even the accountants at the FBI who are, uh, who, are, who are not aligned, who are part of the Marxists, the communists, whatever. You get the, of course, that's an exaggeration, but you get the, the point that I'm making. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get the sense that that's a recognition. Hiring and firing is great. Uh, you know, slow to hire, quick to fire. That's a great mantra. That's not what we need right now. We need uh we need uh the bad guy, the desperado, to roll into town and just start shooting we we need we need
1: Trump to actually be some of what we feared. Originally, he would be too much of. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One of the arguments that was made um, that stuck out to my mind for some reason is that Trump may not be conservative ideologically. But you know what is needed right now in Washington is just a bull in a China shop. Just screw things up for uh, the swamp right now. That didn't really happen as the late uh, Angelo Coved Villa kind of talked about in his Trump postmortem. They the swamps figured out within months, if not if even that long, that Trump was willing to play ball with him. That can't be the case anymore. Day one, there has to be a long line at whatever federal unemployment center exists in Washington D.C. And I just didn't don't really get the idea that that's a priority, or at least the priority that it should be.
1: Hmm. Get some final thoughts here in a second. First, though, if you are thinking of going into the real estate market during these unprecedented times, Bing. make sure you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust to come in to take advantage of your situation on your behalf, take charge, and well, still remembering that you're the one ultimately in charge that has a proven and vetted, confirmed track record of success. So they don't just talk the talk, but they can walk the walk when you need them the most. Where would you find such a real estate agent? Well, the website name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com is where you want to go. Just about anywhere that you want to get out of or go to, we can probably find you an agent that you can trust on this website. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Let me try that again. Realestateagentsitrust.com, a company started by Glenn Beck and his associates because unfortunately they ran into some real estate agents. They learned the hard way they couldn't trust – that's why they started real agents I trust dot com. All right, any final thoughts on the conversation we had today or the conversation we just had with Mark Meadows?
0: Uh well, did you have the same read? And if so, were you surprised at all how there was like no coyness whatsoever from him about Trump running again? Yeah.
1: No. No, I wasn't surprised by that at all. Not at all. I I um no, I wasn't surprised. And I, I think he probably knew better than to try some of that kind of fake coyness. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he probably knows that I probably would have not been down to clown with that. But um, I think you also got, I think that's also why you got a couple of specific things from him that he wishes he could have done over. Because- this isn't a show to go on to just, to, to, to just think you're going to get away with just your talking points. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, he admitted two key mistakes that, that he was involved in. The lack of uh, prevalence and attention given to therapeutic treatments for a respiratory virus. And that they were not armed up enough uh, for what was in store for the election. And they got caught, frankly, uh, with their knickers down. Uh, when, and now you're trying to get lawyers and activists and one of my best buddies was part of the rapid response team for the white house. They try to get on the ground in Pennsylvania, for example, and you're trying to do this at the same time that they've got the windows, you know, um, blacked off and counting and harvesting ballots and votes. So it's a little too late now. You know what I'm saying? Shots have already been fired. Right. So I, I think that that was a level of forthcomingness. Is that a word that... Probably has to do with understanding the show that he was coming on.
0: Well, if they're running, and you don't want, you know, Trump on Twitter and too much personality, but he got all of his momentum last time when he found the border issue. Shouldn't they be out there with three, five, ten issues in a formal contract with America some way, right now?
1: Yeah, but I would also say the longer they can avoid making Trump the singular face of the opposition, the more well, likely that the agenda that you want will be successful. Because the one thing that they, that the Democrats want to run on is Donald Trump. Because it has a proven track record of success. That's
0: my point. Why get the agenda out there as soon as possible? So the, there's the coattails of that just grow and grow and grow. And Trump just kind of becomes a a default to that. Like what idea... It's just Trump now. What ideas? What would be different? People need to know I that. will
1: tell you this... I, Here's what I can tell you without violating a confidence. Okay. This, was, this is a heavy part. Those insider conversations between Shiproy and Kevin McCarthy that Politico came out with last week. That, that's, let's just say that is part of what we'll call an ongoing dialogue. What the hell is our agenda? Yeah. And the Republican leadership doesn't want to lay out an agenda because it doesn't want to be held accountable to it. Right. It just wants to run on, you know, vote against Democrats. Aren't they ruining America? And Chip's like, well, what, what are we going to do with the power if they give it to us, right? Yeah. So, yeah, this is a conversation that is being had. Okay. Yeah. You may not like the outcome of it, though, no, I'm going to warn you. won't. Yeah. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.